Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch. My name is Susan Rocco, and I'm happy to be here every Saturday on 1180 WFYL with some amazing women in the Philadelphia area who are doing some great things and happy to come in and share their story with us. Uh, If you are listening and you have an interest in coming on the show and and share with us what your business is doing, I would love to hear from you. So please feel free to give me a call at 215-313-5561 or send me an email to srocco233 at gmail. Uh, I'm thrilled to have in the studio this afternoon a wonderful lady who's going to share some great tips with us um, regarding executive coaching and leadership uh, in the community. And her name is Shannon Cassidy, and she is founder and CEO of Bridge Between Incorporated. Thank you so much for coming in today. Thanks for having me, Susan. I know you're a busy lady, <laughs> and, I, and I appreciate the trek down from uh, Westchester, rather. My pleasure. Um, the first part of the show, we're going to talk a little bit about you. And I'd love to hear um, a little bit about your growing up years, where that was and where you went to school. Mm-hmm. So why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, the area you, you spent your younger years? Sure. I grew up in Huntington, New York, which is a part of Long Island, New York. And I spent my entire childhood there. I went to Walt Whitman High School and then when I graduated, I went to Arizona State University. And two years into that tenure, I transferred to the University of Rhode Island, where I graduated. Okay. And what was your major back then? Um, at Arizona State, it was business. And at the University of Rhode Island, it was communication. Communications. Okay. Mm-hmm. So do you think that, that that's a field that you always felt, even when you were young, um, that you were going to go into and pursue? Yes. I didn't know to what degree right. or how I was going to get involved, but one of the courses that I loved so much was negotiation and conflict resolution. Okay. And mainly because my professor was so fantastic. Um, she's still a friend and a mentor of mine, Agnes Duty. Um, and I just learned a lot about the power of, of strong communication, having a clear message, knowing what you want, knowing how to ask for it, and then with the, with the conflict resolution, how to help people to bridge their differences. Right. Now, where do you think that was developed? Is it? Uh, it tell me about your mom and dad and, and what they did if mom worked out of the house and, and what dad did. Sure, yeah. My father um, was always in education. He mm-hmm. started off as a woodshop teacher, And then got into administration and became a high school principal. And that is where he spent the the later parts of his career. Um, My mother was a teacher um, and left the the classroom to raise the two, two of us, myself and my sister Kelly. She's two years older than I am. And, um, she did a fi- they both did a wonderful job raising us very loving household um very encouraging of our strengths and who we are as individuals and um my mother was very close to me and is still a, you know my closest friend and she later went into real estate and and then um went back to school and became a reading teacher so after we left the house and she said, what to do now? Um, she became a reading teacher and, and really enjoyed that. Now they're both retired okay. and uh, living the life. They're living the dream. In, in New York? <laughs> Actually, they sold their home in New York and they moved to Pennsylvania so they could be closer to my sister and I. Oh, good. And the grandkids. Yes. Tell me yes. about your family. Lots of grandkids. I know that you're married and you have two children. Yes. Yes. Ryan is 11 and Grace is almost 10. She'll be 10 on June 4th. And I'm married to Mike Cassidy. And we are celebrating 15 years this year on May oh, 22nd. Congratulations. Thank you. That's wonderful. Yes. 
So tell me, uh, the years that you were in um, college, what types of activities were you involved in at that time? Outside of... Outside of the classroom. Yeah, I I love volleyball. Volleyball has always been my favorite sport, and I found a co-ed rec team to play on, and that was tons of fun. And then I've always been a worker. You know, I've always had different jobs and... Um, you know, everything from lifeguarding to waitressing to bartending to hostessing to virtually anything. And um, I remember having some really fun and interesting jobs at co- in, during college. Okay. So let's talk about how um, your, your company came to be, Bridge Between Incorporated. We'll skip, we'll skip a couple of years mm-hmm. and, and, and talk about how that all came about. Yeah, sure. Uh, my husband and I were living up in Boston at the time, and the organization where he worked was going to transfer us to either Philadelphia or San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So we had a decision to make, and we selected Philadelphia. I'll spare you the story. <laughs> and um, when we were moving, uh, I could have transferred with the organization where I was working, and it was a 24-7 type of a job, and we knew we wanted to start a family. And Mike said, you know, everywhere you work, you always give 120%. You're just an all-in kind of person. So what about doing something for yourself? And I said, hmm, that's a novel idea. And I, I, you know. What were you doing at the time? I was in sales and marketing. Okay. And I knew that I had certain things that I like to do. Like I really enjoyed talking with people about what they love to do. Mm -hmm. I like to mine out their strengths and figure out what to do with them. I also embraced conflict. I liked to help people resolve their differences, find the common ground, move on to something more productive. Um, I like to help people set goals, clarify what is it that you want, set a target, and then really encourage them to go after it. So when I was doing an inventory of these types of things that I love to do, because I had the mindset of, well, if I'm going to start a business and I'm going to be 120% in like, like I tend to be, then I might as well do something that I really enjoy and love and think gives me energy. Right. So I found out about the world of coaching that I'd never heard of before. I mean, back then, when you told somebody that you're a coach and because I'm so tall, they thought that I was a basketball coach. You were in a gym and you were working with kids. Right. And I said, Oh my goodness, the last person you want me coaching basketball is me. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. No. And so it was a very new uh, thing. And I remember going to some ICF, that stands for International Coach Federation. You know, I went to their um, annual events and their local events. And um, they said, you know, there's going to be a point in time where people don't say, what's a coach? They're going to say, who's your coach? Right. And it's going to be a lot like a phys- uh, like a um, personal trainer. Mm-hmm. Because it's not that you can't go to the gym and work out. Certainly you can. Just like you, it's not like you can't go to work and be successful. Certainly you can. But when you have a personal trainer, you have somebody who knows what your goals are and and what you ultimately want to become. And then they hold you accountable and they walk you through a process to help you accomplish that. Right. Similar to executive coaching. Right. So there's a variety of coaching that exists. There are teenage coaches and ADD coaches and spiritual coaches and life coaches. So there's a whole, um, you know, industry. And I needed to select where I thought I could add the most value. And I've always had a a profound interest in organizations. I find them interesting. They're complicated. They are um, political. They're just really interesting, complex things that um, I, I find fascinating. And I've had my own experiences in, and I just thought I could really help people there because when I was in corporate America, what I noticed is people don't have a safe place to share their truth. They don't have a place where they can be ultimately vulnerable to say, I either don't like doing this, I don't know how to do this, I don't understand what this is, I don't know how to break through to that person, in just just that that humanness of not knowing what to do. Right. Then then you're just going through the motions every day. You're not really being your most successful self. Right. Tell me quickly about the, the difference between, and I've had people ask me this, what is the difference between a coach and a consultant when it comes to the business world? Mm-hmm. Well, I like to use this analogy of teaching somebody how to ride a bike. 
So if somebody wanted to ride a bike, a uh, and I'll, I'll even throw in therapist. So what's the difference between a coach, a therapist, and a consultant? Mm-hmm. A, a, a therapist would ask you why you were afraid of riding the bike and what the bike means to you and you know kind of like helping you associate to the bike and understand feelings yeah feelings yeah Yeah, your connection yeah a consultant would hop on the bike show you how to ride the bike teach you all the mechanics of it and basically you know get into more like the tactics Mm -hmm. a coach would put you on the bike run alongside behind you and hold hold your back until you felt steady and then let you go okay that's a great analogy yeah that's a great analogy you said something um that struck me uh, when i was looking at your website about if people most people have the skill to do something but maybe they're lacking the will mm-hmm. and you help them have that will so that they'll follow through and use the skills or gifts that they have mm-hmm. yeah i think the three things that people need to consider when they are assessing how well they fit into an organization or when they're hiring someone to bring into the organization. The three things are skill, like you just say, that's the can you do it, mm-hmm. the can do. Right. Will, which is the are are you willing to do what it takes to show the initiative to um, create something, the willingness. So the, the skill, do you have the skill, the will? And then the third is team fit. Like, do you fit mm-hmm. into this organization and into this culture? Right. And do you work um, specifically with executive leaders or, or do you also go into a business and work with all of the employees in that particular business? I coach the leaders. Okay. And we often do team sessions. Okay. So if they want to um, help their team to become more aligned, to um, warm up to a change that has just been um, implemented, to merge with another organization or team, to do their goal setting, their vision building, their their mission statement, then, then we would gather together as a, a larger group and work out those details. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. We're um, we're actually going to take a quick break. When we come back, I'd love to, to hear from you on maybe what the differences are between coaching men and coaching women. Oh, wonderful. Okay. Thanks. From Willow Grove to Westchester, Pottstown to Philadelphia, it's News Talk 1180 WFYL. What woman out there is not tired of the department store shopping experience? Unkept dressing rooms, no customer service, and never being able to find the right size. This is your answer. Come shop with us. We are best dressed, and we are the most exciting new way to shop the beautiful private label of W by Worth. If you're tired of wearing only 20% of your clothing 80% of the time, wardrobe building is a must, and we can show you how to do that and save money. Best Dressed is a business that offers a luxury brand of clothing that will forever be in your closet and always your favorite thing to wear. For the absolute best customer service, easy purchasing and returns, personal custom fitting, and shopping when it's most convenient for you, please contact Best Dressed at 215-266-5680 and be sure to view collection at wbyworth.com. At Bluebell Physical Therapy, our goal is to get you back in the game, back to work, and back to your normal way of life. Our highly respected team provides preventative and rehabilitation services from everyday physical and occupational therapy to post-operative rehab of your knees, shoulders, or spine. Bluebell Physical Therapy focuses on achieving each patient's maximum level of recovery. Bluebell Physical Therapy, the treatment you need for the therapist you trust. News Talk 1180-WFYL, streaming live at 1180-WFYL.com. I'm just beginning, the pen's in my hand. Hey everyone, we're back in the studio this afternoon with Shannon Cassidy, who is founder and CEO of Bridge Between Incorporated. And we're talking all about um, the services that Shannon offers as a coach to executive leaders and businesses to help them be better. Um, And right before the break, I was going to ask Shannon uh, to talk about some of the differences, I'm assuming there are, when you're coaching men versus women. You know... We, we 
read a lot, hear a lot, and talk a lot about the differences between men and women. And I find that there are a lot of similarities between us. Um, We're trying to make an impact. We're trying to grow. We're trying to navigate complex situations. We're trying to evolve ourselves in learning who are we, what do we stand for, what difference do I make, how can I contribute. Um, Also, how can I be safe? I believe that's another thing that we all have in common is that we want to know that we're going to be taken care of, that that we are in a good place, that we're making good choices, that there is some predictability and reliability in, in our lives for security. But we also need variety and stimulation and change. So there's like a lot of polarities going on within us. And I think that's just a human condition. Mm -hmm. Uh, But to answer your question specifically, I think that women have more of a challenge with confidence. Consistently. Yes. And I'm, I'm, I'm over, over being surprised about it. But I have found that many women, more than men, however, men do suffer from this as well, suffer from something called the imposter syndrome. And the imposter syndrome is where you act as though and and behave as though you are something, like being an imposter, right? You act as though and behave as though you are a leader, a confident leader, yet behind the curtain, you're really insecure and unsure of yourself and asking yourself the question, when are they all going to realize that I'm not that, and then fill in the blank, I'm not that smart, I'm not that strategic, I'm not that experienced, I'm not that networked, whatever it is. And I find that women are faking it till they make it, but at some point they make it, right? They are experienced, they are effective, they are networked, and they haven't really caught up with that reality mentally. In their minds, they're still junior when, in fact, they're quite senior and seasoned. And um, that is a consistent theme that I see with executive females. So you have to go when you're dealing with women. uh, I would imagine, you know, one of the very first things you're going to do with a new client then is try to to establish where they are maybe in their belief Mm -hmm. system. Right. How do they see themselves? Where do they want to be? How do they right. how do they see themselves into the future? You know, they're the best version of themselves. Right. And what are the gaps? And often the gaps are so slight, but in their minds they're so vast. Right. Right. They think that there's so much more to learn and to do. And, you know, I admire that desire to achieve and to be the best and really raise your standards and hold yourself up to something that seems unreachable. Uh, But what I think most of the women, if not all of the women that I work with are already so successful and they're, they're brilliant and creative and innovative and essential. That's a word that I use a lot. Brave for being out there and and putting themselves out there. Sure. Yes. Yes. And so they don't have to start over. Right. They don't need to rebuild. They need to recognize what are those areas that they need to sharpen. Right. What's something they need to polish. Right. And that, generally speaking, is a tweak and not a leap. Right. And you know what? That's very key to what you do. And I think it's really important that the listeners know that um, women who want to make a change, men who want to make a change, they can be very small steps. Mm -hmm. And you show them how to do that. Because if you're overwhelmed with the enormity of the task, how am I going to change everything in my day-to-day, you're less likely to jump in and get started. Mm -hmm. So talk a little bit about what specifically you do with new clients um, who are looking to better uh, have better communication within their companies, um, set goals, um, and just kind of be more efficient in their Mm day-to-day. Well, the first step is to, the first, first step is to establish rapport and trust because all of my relationships are based in trust and, and you don't do that quickly. Right. You need to let them know that you're not only credible, I think that's, a, that's the uh, price of admission, but that you are a trusted sounding board and an, and an advisor and an, a coach. Right. And that has to be established straight away. So once, once they understand that they're safe, um, then we need to clarify goals. You know, what is it that success looks like to you short term? 
because I think sometimes when you think, what does success look like to you? That's such a big eerie question it that is. you think, oh my right. gosh, where do you want to be in 10 years? Right. So, right. but just like, where do you want to be next month? Yeah. You know, right. what, how do you want to feel? Or how, or how about, how do you want to change this week? Let's yes. look at this week and see how we're going to change a little bit. Exactly. So right. by the end of every conversation, it's what do you want to do this week? Right. And they narrow down two or three specific things that they're going to do right. that will enable them to make progress, mm-hmm. both realistic and bite size. So right. they're realistic. Like I'm not going to, you know, redo this entire department but I am going to think about the vision for this department and I'm going to consider different variations of how the team could be um, designed right. to help us accomplish the goal. Right. And, and probably you find there often is no vision. So if there's no vision, then what everyone is doing in their day to day isn't isn't going to be uh, effective. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, there was a Harvard Business Review um, research project done a couple of years ago and the title of it is called Women and the Vision Thing. And what it what it demonstrates is that on all of the leadership surveys that were conducted for men and women in senior level positions, they found that women were either equal or more competent than men in the majority of the competencies that were um, evaluated, except for one. And the one is vision, that men outscored women in the category of vision. That's interesting. And I, I, I think men are just um, by nature more goal oriented. Um, you know, women tend to kind of be in the moment and are reacting to what's kind of coming at them, mm-hmm. perhaps. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, but it's really interesting. Yeah. Um, tell me, tell me what some of the, you know, you do a lot of different things in a day. You're all over, uh, you know, you're, you're speaking, you're coaching, you're at your computer, I'm sure, on the phone. Mm-hmm. Tell me what um, your least favorite thing to do is day to day and mm-hmm. what your favorite part is about what you do. Hmm. I would say my least favorite part of my day is when I wake up and the sink is filled with dishes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's I, a, that's I want a to complain just, I often have. I want to start the day start the, fresh. Yes. So I just start, you know, on some of my jammies, just making sure that sink is cleaned up and then I make a pot of coffee and coffee just always makes me happier. Oh, me too. (laughs) Me too. As you can see, I have one with me. (laughs) Yeah. So I would say things like that, things that go, "Mm, just not supposed to be like that. Right. My order, my need for order. Your need for order. Yes. Yes. Um, And so my, my happiest moment of my day, I mean, these, these two answers aren't incorporate, uh, incorporating my work life. So I, it, that doesn't mean that I don't love what I do. I do. Um, but really the highlight, highlight of my day is sitting around my dinner table with my family. Right. And we talk about highs and lows. What was the high of your day? What was the low of your day? And just hearing an update from everyone. And almost always we all say, my high is right now. Right. Because <laughs> so. that's really, you know, the most important thing mm-hmm. for all of us. Um, what kinds of things do you say to your daughter about being, uh, and I don't want to say a working mom because you're, you're working out of the house in addition to being a mother and a wife. And mm-hmm. so, um, but to help her uh, with the self-esteem issue mm-hmm. that uh, a lot of women face. And um, I, I say very often that I, I want my daughter to kind of get it before I did. I think it takes some women a, lo- a long time to have that self-esteem, mm-hmm. even though, as you say, they're out and about in the world doing things, they um, might be pretending. Mm-hmm. What kinds of things do you say to your daughter to help her strengthen that self-esteem at a young age? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, You know, I say the same things to my daughter and son, um, but the one I say to her uh, more than I say to him is perfection is the enemy. So going for perfect Mm -hmm. is going for failure because it's never going to be perfect. There is no perfect. And then I steal a line from P90X, which is a workout video with Tony Horton, where he (laughs) says, do your best and forget the rest. So I often say, do your best. And she says, and forget the rest. And I said, and do your best to try to do that yeah because it's hard to forget the rest right and guess what you're gonna um make mistakes as well Mm -hmm. so that that's going to happen throughout your lifetime exactly yeah and you know another thing that i'm in the practice of doing with them regularly is apologizing because i don't get it right all the time i'm i make mistakes i lose my temper or you know not so much lose my temper but i just get impatient sometimes um 
sometimes I'm gone a lot because I travel and I want them to understand that it, there is no such thing as perfect with balance either, right, you know, and right. I don't want them to ever feel like I don't value and honor them because I do. Um, I also want them to understand how important it is to love your work and to be committed to your career and to the people that you get to serve. So I want to model that for them as well. So if, if I'm ever gone too often or if, um, you know, if I'm just kind of impatient or tired, I, I, I'll recap with them and say, you know, I'm sorry. That wasn't about you. And, and I think the way that I handled that made it feel as though it is yeah. and it isn't. I think that's wonderful because I think that adds to that safety issue you were talking about. When kids know, um, when they hear real feelings from mom and dad, that makes them feel more safe. Mm-hmm. And we all know the world today is, you know, mm-hmm. a little bit of a scary place. So, right. Um, you are also an author. Mm-hmm. And we should jump right into, before we run out of time, uh, the book that you have written, which is called The Five Degree Principle. And it really is a wonderful book uh, for people who are looking to make a change, but not in a big, big way. Looking to uh, make a change, I'm sure it overlaps from their workday into their personal life, um, but wanting to be better, do better, and um, get that advice in a very... Uh, simple way. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about the book and and how that came to be. What made you decide to write it, first of all? Well, you know, I do a lot of speaking and often they don't say, do you have a book? They say, what's the title of your book? (laughs) So it's an assumption. (laughs) Right. Um, And I wrote a chapter. I better get on that. (laughs) Yeah. I had a chapter in a book about strengths, um, which, which helped me out in that need for a book for a while. But then I said, you know, I really do have a message within me and I, I need to be courageous and get it out there. That's right. That's right. And you know how it is with the things that you want to do, but other people don't necessarily want you to do or need you to do or have asked, you know, nobody asked me to do that. Right. Um, so those things in my life anyway, get backburnered because the only urgency that exists is the one that I've created. So it's very easy for me to right. put it lower on the list. Right. Um, so it was taking in my terms of forever, you know, that's five years. <laughs> when I say to taking forever. Five years and five degrees. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, there you go. So it's easy to remember how long. Right. Um, but, you know, it, I got to the point where I had hired so many coaches to help keep me accountable. And this one last coach, I said, listen, if I don't write, I need you to call me a liar. <laughs> because yeah. that'll get me no, to do it. There you go. Right, that's going to make you mad. <laughs> yes, right. right. So I had to stay focused on I have I have a message I need to get out into the world and if I don't write I'm a liar. Right. So I actually um got I got into it and it was it was fun and I turned it into a leadership fable because I asked myself what are the kinds of books that I like to read and what are the kinds of books that leaders buy for their teams? Okay. And leaders don't buy how-to books for their teams because that could be perceived as negative or remedial, but they do buy books for their teams that are stories that are about how to change or how to improve something, but they're less direct. They're more tangible because you can relate to the characters in the story. And they also have tools like real life applicable tools that you could um, turn into practice. So I designed it that way. So it's a how to book, but it's designed like a fable, a Mm -hmm. leadership fable about an executive named Lauren who is overlooked for a promotion that she believes she's entitled to. So she's unhappy about that. And the organization invests in her by hiring her a coach, which she receives as a negative. And that is often the case. People view that as, oh, what a, what did I do? Right, right. Um, but what she very soon learns is that it is an investment in her and an opportunity for her to grow and transform how she thinks and how she perceives what's going on in her work environment. Um, so she makes those small changes one by one until she, you know, I won't. Don't want to give away the a ending. spoiler alert, but what, it what, has what a good business, ending. Do, do you touch in the book on what type of business it is? Yes. Yeah. And you know what? I, I chose a business that I don't work in. I, I have no uh, coaching experience in this industry whatsoever. Okay. And I did that because I don't want any of my clients to think I'm writing about them because it wasn't them. It's a fictitious character. Right. Um, yeah. So it's all about any type of business, small changes, small changes, men and women, any kind of business interact. You know, my, my husband is a teacher. He's an eighth grade science teacher. Lots of teachers in your family. Yes. A lot of educators. Yes. And he said that he could relate to that as a teacher as well. Yeah. So, um, 
first of all, when was the book published? In just this year, in just February this year. 2013. Okay. So it's out there. People can get it mm-hmm. any, yeah. at any of the bookstores? It's on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Okay. Yeah, any of the bookstores. It's five degree principle. Great. Um, what would, uh, if, if there's a business out there, someone who's listening, maybe a business owner, um, they don't have the, um, the funds right now to hire somebody like you to come in and kind of change things up. Is there one tip that you could give them, something they could do today that would begin to make a change for them? My number one tip would be to ask better questions. And what I mean by that is in any given moment, we have a choice And the choice is picture yourself in a car and you're driving the car and you, something happens and you have a decision to make. So you're basically at a crossroads and you're either going to go right or left. If you go left, you're going down the pathway or the road of resentment. And the road of resentment is paved with questions that start with why. Why did I do that? Why did I say that? Why don't I have enough time? Why doesn't anybody help me? Why hasn't this been fixed already? Why, 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 why? That's the road of resentment. So that's one choice that you have. And, and you think in questions. So th- that's why I'm saying it's the number one tip because it's the number one way to create change is to acknowledge that you're thinking in questions and you're making choices. One of the choices you're making is to ask why questions and you end up down that road of resentment. And that's how you feel, resentful, angry, frustrated, annoyed, overloaded. The other choice you have at that crossroads is to turn to the right, and that's the road of resolution. And that road is paved with questions that start with what or how. What can I do about this? How can I be a leader in this situation? What's the next step? How could I chunk this down into a bite size? Mm -hmm. How could I interpret this differently? What does this mean to me? Mm -hmm. What must I focus on? How can I serve through this situation? that takes them to an entirely different place. And it's the road of resolution because it helps people to think bigger and more clearly. So if I was going to give leaders one tip, it would be to ask better questions. Ask better questions. And also you, you mentioned, how can I serve? Um, that, that's a big motiv- motivator for people. I think if, if they know that they're doing something that's gonna help somebody else, it mm-hmm. puts the focus off of them. Um, that sometimes is a motivator for mm-hmm. them. Even if it's, you know, if it's a a company as a whole, if they're looking to do something that's going to improve their business, but it's also serving the community, for example, Mm -hmm. that's probably a great thing to focus on. Yeah. Another thing that I think all people have in common is the need to contribute. Right. Right. Um, We're going to take one more quick break. And when we come back, I just want to end up the show with um, how it is that you're different from a lot of the other coaches um, that are out there. Okay. Sure. From Willow Grove to Westchester, Pottstown to Philadelphia, it's News Talk 1180 WFYL. Want your home to look great for company from out of town, moving to a new place, or just want the satisfaction of a clean, healthy home? Whatever your reason, everybody needs to clean. So why not choose the line of cleaning tools that makes your task easier? Quickie is your one-stop cleaning solution with everything you need to get the job done right. Whether you're cleaning one room or the whole house, Quickie has the right tool for you. It doesn't matter if you prefer a more traditional mop and bucket or if you'd like to save time with a new Quickie spray mop. Quickie has everything you need to get the job done. Founded in Philadelphia 60 years ago, Quickie's commitment to quality and value have helped it grow into the number one cleaning tool company in America. It's Quickie and it's clean. Look for Quickie products at Home Depot, Lowe's, Walmart, ShopRite, and other fine retailers near you. Is your online store cluttering your house and garage with your product? Does it require you to spend all your free time shipping packages, leaving you no time to work with new customers or develop new marketing initiatives? Now is the time to free up your space and time and let ABC Fulfillment provide you with cost-effective warehousing, order processing, and shipping for your products. Our 20,000-square-foot warehouse is conveniently located in Ambler, PA. ABC Fulfillment is a 100% woman-owned and operated business and has helped many small and mid-sized businesses solve their warehousing and order processing problems. We pride ourselves on our attention to detail as well as our excellent customer service. 
When you call us, you will always speak with someone who can help you solve your problem and not be asked to leave a message. Our personal touch and expertise separates us from the rest. Last year, we shipped over 150,000 packages for our customers, including order processing and shipping for the Jill Steals and Deals segment of the Today Show, saving our customers both time and money. If you would like to spend more time finding new products to sell, reaching new customers, and marketing your products, now is the time to call ABC Fulfillment. Please call 215-628-3154 and ask for Eileen or Lisa to help you get started. News Talk 1180-WFYL, streaming live at 1180-WFYL.com. We are back, everybody, here at 1180 WFYL, and we're in the studio today with Shannon Cassidy, who is founder and CEO of Bridge Between Incorporated. And what she is is, is an executive coach, and she is coaching and training and, and motivating um, leaders in all different fields. And um, I, I think I'd like to end the, pro- not end the program, but, you know, uh, come back with some of the exact services that you offer day to day. And one of those is uh, called team building. So let's talk a little bit about what happens in a team building session Mm -hmm. and who is participating. Sure. Well, it it often happens through somebody who I'm coaching and we do a strengths assessment or we talk about their communication style or their leadership style. And they say, oh, I'd love to learn about my team. You know, I wonder what their strengths are. I wonder what their behavioral style is. I wonder what their needs and stress look like. I mean, certainly they see their stress. So they wonder what do they need that causes them to feel stressed. Um, So we will then organize a, a, a session or two and do some assessment work to find out what the dynamics are on the team. Then we gather everybody at an offsite or as they call on-site, off-site, which is getting together. I was going to ask, do you go to them or do, do you hold these sessions at other places? And I guess it's both, it, whatever it's both. works it for them. It depends on the budget and also on the environment that they want to create. Sometimes people just want to get away. Right. And other times they say, you know, we'll, we'll be lucky if we can get them for X amount of hours. So let's just keep it in-house so right. that they can show up and get the value and get back to whatever they had to get done. Um, so th- we pull them all together. We s- establish the agenda and, and we tried to be very interactive. You know, I'm a facilitator, okay. not a trainer, right. which means that I have the end goal in mind. I, I have an idea of how we're going to organize our time, but I facilitate the conversation because the best value that they get is from each other. Right. Right. Getting them to, to participate. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and these are all some of the things that make you different um, than some of the other coaches that are out there. Because as you said, this is an industry that's kind of growing. Mm-hmm. It's needed. Um, and, you know, you have to find a way to kind of stand out on your own out there. Um, you mentioned retreats. What what happens on the retreats? Yeah, retreats are a way for them to step out of the norm, to have a new environment. Um, it helps to establish trust and even vulnerability within the group to mm-hmm. help people to... Um, be more comfortable and to to say, hey, it d- depends on the, the objective of the retreat, but it might be a goal-setting retreat. It could be a strength-finding retreat. It could be something about, um, a, you know, let's just say they merged two teams together and now they've got to evolve as a new holistic team. And how does that work? You know, what, what, are, what are our expectations of one another? Um, what what already works, what needs to be improved. They they iron out the details like that. They take accountability for things that they're going to do to follow through on that. They have open dialogue on things that they need to debate about. Mm-hmm. I believe in having conversations, open dialogue, healthy conflict. Right. And I think an, a retreat is a great opportunity for people to do that. Are these always a one-day retreat? Are they ever over a couple of days? Sure. Yes. Yeah, it depends. It really uh, on depends the how much help they need. <laughs> yeah, and also how much time they can afford right. to, to get away. I think it's great to have a one overnight so that everybody can really feel like they are away together, enjoy right. a meal and relax and just get to know each other as people. Right, right. You know, because I think the more you like each other, the more you're willing to bend and negotiate and 
um, compromise. Right, right. And I would imagine it's really um, productive to have these leaders uh, have an interest in their employees, as you mm-hmm. said, um, you know, finding out what what is what are the struggles they are having, mm-hmm. um, what are the problems that they face day to day, and if you know, in some companies and businesses, they're not the people at the top aren't paying attention. Mm-hmm. When they do, good things happen, and they often facilitate their own offsites, you know, because they say, "Well, I'm the team leader, so I ought to lead the discussion," but then they're not part of the discussion because they're leading it, right? So it's really helpful to have this third party neutral person like me or whomever show up and help guide the conversation so that the leader can be part of the team. Right. And then it's not personal Mm -hmm. on any level because you're not going to stay there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. If I'm good. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Um, Do you get a lot of feedback from, uh, let me ask you this. Are you working with small, mid-size, large or across the board? Mostly mid and large organizations. Mid and large. Fortune Mm -hmm. 500. Mm -hmm. Okay. And what's the difference when you step into a situation with a fortune 500 versus a, um, a, a medium size company? Uh, many or of the, there? many of the challenges are the same. People are people. I mean, we've got some pretty standard <laughs> challenges as teams and as, as colleagues. Right. Um, I don't know. I, I would say the biggest difference is budget. Okay. And we should mention you don't, you're not, um, alone in this. You have other coaches that you've brought in as, as you've continued to grow. Mm-hmm. Yes, we have a, a, an affiliation of coaches across the country who we leverage as needed so for their, for their area of expertise. So, for example, if somebody wanted to career coaching, they were either outplaced or they're looking to make a change or um, they want to grow in a different direction, that's not a specialty area of mine, but we have two career coaches on our team who are brilliant at that. So they help you to update your resume, make sure all of your social media is consistent. Mm-hmm. And so we would leverage them. Um, and, and also people like uh, to have more face-to-face coaching and evaluation or you know, feedback when they're looking for coaching on executive presence or presentation skills, um, facilitating offsites. So sometimes it's helpful to work with a coach who's more geographically desirable. Right. So if you're not in the Philadelphia area and say New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Rhode Island, um, DC, Philly, then you know, let's say you're out in Texas, then it would be make more sense for you to work with our coaches at West. Right. And when you're looking f- to bring in a new coach, is there a process before they can come in and get started? What is it they have to to go through to become oh for our coaches yes yes yes. yeah um well we um we research them um so that they have the criteria that we require so that they need to be certified executive coaches because unfortunately it's an unregulated industry okay um i was going to ask what what that takes to to become certified mm -hmm. what is that process yeah it's it's a lot like a college education where you go through the coursework it's dependent on the type of coaching that you want to um, go into. So mm-hmm. for executive coaching, like, like me, you know, I went through, uh, courses on executive development, organizational design, uh, assessment, usage, team development. So it, it, it's all related to organizations and, uh, there's hundreds of coaching, um, institutions out there yes. now at this point. Right. Right. Um, so we make sure that our, all of our coaches are certified, that they're all, um, credible. We get testimonials and, um, feedback from their clients and uh, we have personal interviews with them several of them and make sure that their their values and their core competence is aligned with where we think our clients need to be right how about um, you mentioned mentoring you do some mentoring what is that all about Mm -hmm. I facilitate mentoring programs within organizations um, and it's it's grown over the years and I find that most organizations offer some form of mentoring at this point, formally or informally. But the formal programs are generally nine months, and I help them to design um, what we want it to look like, who's going to be involved, who are we going to ask to be mentors, and then how are we going to organize the application process for the mentees. Then we do a pairing, and we organize a kickoff event so that they get to know each other. We do a how-to session on how to be a mentor, how to be a mentee, how to make this whole thing work. We set expectations. Um, Then we have a midpoint event, which is some kind of a value add. Generally, it's um, focused on 
strength building or networking. Those are two hot topics. And then we have a graduation ceremony at the end and we give people an opportunity to share what they gained. So these are mentors and mentees within an organization. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's not bringing a mentor from the outside Mm -mm. to, that would be similar to the coaching. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, So it's mentoring within their own companies. mm -hmm. Yes. And in some companies, what they do, which is really interesting is they make it national so they they make it a national mentoring program and they intentionally cross pollinate uh, people from different areas of the business both geographically and in their um you know whatever they're responsible for right and it it, is it's so robust because they work for this organization but it's so huge that they never would have had an opportunity to meet connecting everyone within that company Mm -hmm. yeah that's a great idea it it, it, it just makes uh, i think a more tightly wound woven company right right can we talk a little bit about when you when you started your business and this is for people that are listening that um, perhaps are at the very very beginning Um, who did you look to for guidance and help with establishing your company you're incorporated Mm -hmm. and um, you know when you have to jump into something and you have to pull all the pieces together you have to have a website and you have to be incorporated and who guided you through that process? Was there somebody that you turned to to help you with all of that? Oh my goodness, there were so many people. <laughs> um, I, I, it runs the gamut, but everything from my parents to my husband to um, you know just people that I've been so fortunate to meet along the way. I mean, my first opportunity to work in a large corporation was with Comcast. Comcast is based in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. And I was at an event and I met a gentleman named Philemon Lopez, Mm -hmm. who was the head of Comcast University at the time. And now he's in South Florida. And um, I followed up with him and he said, you know, this sounds really interesting. I'm a coach. I think I really believe in coaching. And, um, you know, this sounds interesting. And I said, well, I would be willing to coach anyone in your organization for a month just give me a chance. And he said, sure. So he thankfully, uh, selected someone who was brilliant and, uh, very competent, but was going through a politically charged situation and needed an external person to talk to. So, so that your first client was, was a tough serendipitous. Yeah. Yes. And she just needed to, you know, get all her facts out on the table and work with somebody to organize it and decide what she wanted to do is a big decision that she needed to make. And I just did the coaching process with her, you know, listened, asked her good questions, um, uh, held her accountable to the things that she said she wanted to accomplish, called her out on things that I knew were just stories that she was making up. Um, So this was almost, this was before you actually had, you know, a company set up. You yeah, just no, no, I had, I, yeah, I had it set up. I just, okay. this is one of the first big opportunities okay. I had. Okay. Yeah. So to help me set it up, to go back to your question, yeah. um, my goodness, um, SBDC, which is small business development center. Um, I hired my own coaches. I've always hired my own coaches. Right. Right. And, and then my mentor, Agnes Duty, who is my college professor mm-hmm. at the University of Rhode Island. Yeah. I think it's good to, to talk about how, you know, how you literally get started because a lot of times, um, women in particular think how in the world would I have, I have an idea for a business. Mm-hmm. I know that I have something to offer and, you know, maybe I'm an expert at something, mm-hmm. but wh- where do I even begin? Mm-hmm. And the process becomes easier if you're willing to turn to that first person and, you know, say, will you help me with this? I think the biggest thing that women in that situation need to do is commit because sitting on the fence is going to get them nowhere but frustrated. So sitting on the fence means I'm starting a business, but you know, I could always do real estate. I could always do this. I could always go back to my old job. I could. So that's like to me fence dwelling because you're not really in it. Right. If you're going to start a business, jump in it right. and know that like I was like I say to my daughter Grace, perfection is the enemy. It's not going to be perfect. It's it's not going to be easy. Right. But if you commit, you always find a way. Right. Um, we're getting towards the end of the show, and I would just like to give you an opportunity to just give share some advice. I mean, you really are very wise when it comes to um, helping people to see what they can do in any given day to make their life easier, whether it's in the office or at home. Um, and with just a few minutes left. What bit of advice would you give women in particular, because that's what this show is about, Mm -hmm. um, in changing something up that's going to uh, make them less frazzed with this, you know, information overload world that we live in? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, well, I'll, I'll share a couple of five degree shifts okay, that, that I that I practice. Okay. And I can't say that I'm perfect, but far from. But these are things that I'm cognizant of every day. So they're five degree shifts that I try to make. One is don't say should. Either replace it with must or don't say it at all. Okay. Another is recognize that every step counts, which means if, if you're trying to diet, avoid foods that you know are bad for you. If you're trying to exercise, get your feet on the floor, put them in sneakers and go and do whatever it is that you have set out to do. You know, if it's starting a business, pick up the phone and call that person who you know you need to follow up with. If it's, um, you know, you're in an organization and you've got a difficult employee, schedule the one-on-one and have the feedback session. You know, every single step you take counts. So don't be afraid to take a next, the next step. And then the, the, the third piece I would say that I think about every single day is that the only thing that we really control is ourselves. The false illusion that we control all of these other things is is a false illusion. Is, yes. Yes. And a distraction yes. and, an, and an overwhelming um, sense of responsibility that just isn't our burden to carry. Right. So what we have to recognize is we do control what we think, what we focus on, our daily habits, how we dress, how we prepare for things, the choices we make, the beliefs that we have. So there are so many things that we do control right. about ourselves that that's the better investment of our time and energy to right. stay focused there. Right. So to recap, it's, it's to um, n- know that every step counts, to um, eliminate the word should, and to focus on the things that you can control, which are things related to you. Yeah, that's great advice. It's great advice. I'm so thrilled that you were able to come in today and, and give us this hour. So if you could uh, quickly give us your website so people can contact you, that would be great. Thank you. It's Bridge between.com. So that's it, everyone, for Women to Watch here today on 1180 WFYL. We had a wonderful interview with Shannon Cassidy, founder and CEO of Bridge Between Incorporated. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Saturday.